Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is a random local news story. This is from the New York Post. A wildlife center in Oregon ran an offer this month allowing lonely lovers to sponsor salmon in their ex's name and have them fed to bears. <laughs> yep. Bear story. <laughs> Yep, bear story. Uh, the $20 donation program was launched on January 31st, and their website said things like this. Want to send a different kind of message this Valentine's Day? Check out our catch and release option, which allows you to get a little revenge on your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend. Also, let our 1,000-pound brown bears tear into your ex. <laughs> <laughs> According to the website, donors received pictures of Cody and Yak, the bears, uh, quote, destroying your ex and a special certificate (laughs) to commemorate the event. The demand was so high that the Wildlife Center had to stop accepting submissions for the program. They can't overfeed the bears. (laughs) But yeah, they were just raising money for, you know, the Wildlife Center through this. It was just like a funny thing. That's very good. I was very amused. I love it. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, since you did that story, I'm actually going to switch the order of mine. Okay. Do this one first. It's also very short. (laughs) (laughs) This zoo will name a cockroach after your ex and feed it to a meerkat (laughs) on Valentine's Day. Okay, so this wasn't like an isolated thing. Is this no, a it trend was not. now? Okay. <laughs> but I just found out about yours from you, so now you can well, find about this. I just found out about yours from you, so. So, uh, <laughs> so there are many ways to get over an X, and the El Paso Zoo is offering a particularly unique one. <laughs> Apparently, not as unique as I thought. Um, if you message them, them with the name of the person, they will name a cockroach after them and feed them and feed the cockroach to a meerkat live on Facebook and, and on their website at 2.15 p.m. on February 14th, a.k.a. Valentine's Day. So by the time this airs, this will have already happened. But, um, but they will also show the names on the exhibit and on social media. Oh, my God. Wow. So you can fully shame someone. And... The the event coordinator at the zoo said the meerkats love to get cockroaches as a snack, and what better way to celebrate Valentine's Day than by feeding them a cockroach named after your ex? So I guess the anim- naming animals after exes and then feeding them to other yeah, animals I'm is a new trend. So happy that you found this <laughs> story. We both independently found these stories. <laughs> now I want to go look up. Like, is this happening? Like in every state? No. Is there some place that I- now I want to see what our local zoos are. Offering. Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, my next story is world news. And this is from The Guardian. The headline is, Japanese women push back against Valentine's tradition of obligation chocolate. Have you ever heard of this? No, but I don't like the sound of it. Japanese women are pushing back against a tradition that dictates they must give chocolates to male colleagues on Valentine's Day. With growing anger at the practice of forced giving. 
Until recently, women in the workplace were expected to buy chocolates for their male workmates as part of a tradition called giri choco, or giri choco, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, literally translated to obligation chocolates That's <laughs> to their male coworkers. That is so, ugh. Yeah, isn't it just, like, gross? Yeah, I hate this. <laughs> um, but then, supposedly, men are supposed to reciprocate it on March 14th on a different holiday called White Day, which is an event dreamed up by chocolate makers in the early 80s to boost chocolate sales, apparently, according mm. to this article, at least. Okay. But there's growing evidence that Jiri Choco is falling out of favor. For a growing number of people, the pressure to avoid causing offense by spending thousands of yen on chocolates for coworkers is becoming intolerable. You don't say. Uh, (laughs) Some some companies are now banning the practice, which is seen by many workers as a form of abuse of power and even harassment. To if you're like forcing them to like do that to spend money on other people that they don't necessarily want to. That's it's just a weird cultural thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, A survey by a Tokyo department store found that um, more than sixty percent of women will instead buy chocolates as a personal treat on February fourteenth this year. that I can support. More than, yeah, me too. Uh, more than 56% said they would give chocolates to family members, while 36% would make the same gesture towards partners or objects of a crush. Only 35% said they planned to hand out chocolate treats to men at their workplace, which I still think is kind of it's high. It's kind of high, but, it's, but, if but you, for something that's like a tra- tradition, yeah. it kind of makes sense that it would take some time to die off. Right, right. Um, the backlash against Jiri Choco has prompted some confectioners to revamp their marketing campaigns. In the run-up to Valentine's Day last year, for example, the Belgian chocolatier Godiva caused a stir when it ran a full-page newspaper ad urging businesses to encourage female employees not to hand out Jiri Choco if they felt they were doing so under duress. Valentine's Day is a day when people convey their true feelings, not coordinate relationships at work, the ad said. You don't say. It's a really good point because, like, that I think that's the like, thing that makes it so icky for me is like Valentine's yeah. Day is associated with like romance, which is just right. not appropriate in the workplace. I know it's that's it was like so bizarre reading this. I'm like, that's a cultural thing there. Like, that's so like, like I don't know, just completely different from the culture surrounding Valentine's Day here. Like, right. I wouldn't ne- like, I don't yeah. know. It's just. It's like, and maybe Valentine's Day doesn't have such a romantic like slant yeah, there. Maybe, I don't know for but, sure, but like obviously it's a totally different culture that I yeah, don't necessarily understand. But like, right. it's still just it feels weird. It feels really icky to me. It's just like, and just just in general, like any type of cultural thing where you're like forced to like give things to people that yeah. you don't even they're like your coworkers. It just is like a strange concept to me. Like, right? I don't know. Like. Yeah. If you're friends with them, that's one thing. But right. if you're just like, like that's oh, different. That's I called a to... gift. Yeah. <laughs> just that's a normal gifting. Like <laughs> But yeah, I'm in, isn't that interesting? I'm in, I'm in favor of the uh buying it for yourself. Me too. And it should be the day after Valentine's Day, because that's when all the sales are. Yes. I may or may not have already made plans to go chocolate shopping <laughs> after uh-huh. Valentine's Day. Excellent. This week. So That's a great plan. Um Yeah, because like you said, everything's on sale. So, uh, Man, I really want some chocolate right now. All right. My next story is Space News. Space News. It's not good Space News, you guys. No. The day we no. all feared. It's come. No. NASA is saying goodbye to its Opportunity rover on Mars after eight months of radio no. silence. I know. I was actually, I was legitimately tearing up while I was writing up my notes for this story. <laughs> like, Aww. This, it just 
We've literally been following this thing for months. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, NASA is finally saying goodbye to its Opportunity rover on Mars after spending nearly a year trying to reestablish communication with the silent robot. Um, a team of engineers at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory sent one final radio command to the rover uh, last night, which was Tuesday night, um, but did not receive a response by this morning. Um, so now NASA will try to stop communicating with Opportunity effectively bringing the rover's 15-year mission on Mars to an end. Um, <sighs> this is just so sad. <laughs> Um, Opportunity has been radio silent since June 2018 when a massive dust storm made it impossible for its solar panels to stay powered, so the rover's internal battery drained and it went into hibernation mode. The team figured that once the storm cleared and light hit Opportunity's solar panels again, it could uh, get enough power to turn on and reestablish a connection with Earth. However, it's been total silence in June, since June 10th. Oh, I hate this part. Since June 10th, when the rover sent back its last message that indicated the environment on Mars was incredibly dark and that the bot's battery was nearly depleted. <laughs> so its last message it's was literally sad. like, it's, it's dark and, I, and I'm dying. Okay. <laughs> That's really sad. It's so bleak. Um, it just gets worse from here. Uh, now Opportunity's demise is all but certain, as the rover is about to enter the Martian winter, and the rover needs to stay above negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit to remain operational. During the summer, when the storm occurred, temperatures would regularly stay above this threshold, but now nighttime temperatures could plunge as low as negative 157 degrees oh, Fahrenheit, wow. which can cause components to become brittle and break. Um, uh, the, the bittersweet part of this is that Opportunity lasted far longer on the Martian surface than anyone expected. They launched Opportunity in an identical twin rover called Spirit in the summer of 2013, uh, well, not even, 2003. <laughs> oh, much longer. Um, and the two successfully landed on Mars in January 20, 2004. Man, I just want to keep... 2004. I just wanna, yeah, 2004. Uh, with the goal of each lasting for at least 90 days. Uh, so Spirit lasted for six years and Opportunity now lasted for 15. Um, and during its yeah, time on Mars, amazing. it traversed 28 miles of Martian terrain, which is the farthest of any su surface robot, which like doesn't sound like a ton for like a car, but for a little robot that were like... Remotely, remotely controlling, controlling for hundreds of thousands of miles away. Um, and it, would, it explored multiple craters on the planet. Um, so many NASA scientists have already started to move on to other missions, such as operating the Curiosity rover that is there now, um, or planning on the next Martian rover launch, which will be in 2020. But they'll bring their experience with opportunity with them. Well, I just want to dwell on the fact that it is amazing how long it lasted there it's supposed to last for 90 days and it lasted for 15 years that's incredibly impressive yes and the fact that it was brought down by a dust storm is a pretty reasonable like it, it wasn't just because it like ran out of juice it yeah. just it had a very good reason <laughs> right to come to an end but and i think all the people that worked on that project should be really proud of they it they should be incredibly and, like, proud it's just I'm an proud. amazing feat <laughs> i'm proud of them too um and we'll move on from this. There'll be other rovers. <laughs> it is it's sad. It's so but sad, though. We've, we've been following, yeah. like, I guess since June. When yeah. The, this, or probably before June even, because I think we covered the storm was, like, on its way. And they were, yeah, I think I we, we, I think we just talked the about The first time we uh, reported on that. Yeah. So it's been almost as long as we've been doing the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's really crazy to think about. Yeah. Rest in peace, opportunity. Yeah. And uh, 
look forward to what your future brethren will do on Mars. Maybe one day, many, many years from now, there will be a team of scientists that lands on Mars. And, and one of them accidentally it? gets left behind. Oh. And then he finds this... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying this the got plot darker from the Martian. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying the, the opening of the Martian. Okay. And then he finds it, and then he uses it to communicate and, get, and be saved. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then that would be cool. <laughs> also, I thought I'm you were saying, total- like, when, if, if humankind ever goes to Mars and we, and we just find it. I think that'd be really that, cool. Yeah, maybe I should have just stopped there. Also, I didn't just spoil the whole movie. Um, there's so much because more there's so much more that happens outside of what I just said. So. It's a really good movie. It's very good. I highly recommend it. This episode brought to you by The Martian. <laughs> <laughs> no longer in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my next story is health news. And this is from NPR. The headline is, Bugs versus superbugs. Insects offer promise in fight against antibiotic resistance. Hmm. Insects, long known to spread diseases, could potentially <laughs> help cure them. That's the opening line. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> or rather, the microbes living inside them could. Scientists have discovered dozens of microorganisms living in or on insects that produce antimicrobial compounds, some of which may hold the key to developing new antibiotic drugs. More and more infections are becoming resistant to common antibiotics, and the pipeline of new antibiotic drugs has slowed to a trickle. There is a growing demand for antibiotics and a diminishing supply. Most antibiotic drugs have been discovered from bacteria living in the soil, but Cameron Curry, professor of bacteriology at University of Wisconsin-Madison, <laughs> such a specific yeah, that uh, almost, thing. That almost sounds like a made-up word, but I know it's not. I have never heard it before reading this article, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's a real word. I trust him. It's a credible source. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says that searching the soil for new antibiotics has become increasingly futile. Fortunately, there may be another source. Curry and a team of 28 researchers recently published a paper in the journal Nature Communications showing that some of the bacteria living in insects are really good at killing the germs that make people sick. He says there's an estimated 10 million species of insects on the planet. That implies a huge potential for a lot of new antibiotic compounds. Each insect contains an entire ecosystem of microorganisms just like the microbiome found in humans. And there's one quality that many of these insect-associated microbes have in common— they don't get along with each other very well. The microbes are constantly trying to kill each other through biochemical warfare. Oh, my God. Um, you know, on a microbial level. Yeah, right. Um, many right. of the microorganisms and in insects make compounds that are toxic to other microbes. Essentially, they are natural antibiotics. Hmm. The research team tested bacteria from thousands of insects to determine if they could kill common human pathogens, such as E. coli and MRSA, they found that the insect strains were just as effective, if not better, than soil-derived antibiotics. According to experts, efforts such as this study are crucial to keeping the antibiotic pipeline flowing so that disease doesn't gain the upper hand. So, which, is, which nobody wants. Right. <laughs> I'm sure you're aware of the current emerging crisis of like antibiotic-resistant stuff. Yeah, and, huh? yeah. So this seems like a promising avenue of research of where we can find more solutions to that problem yeah anything we can do to stave off one crisis so we can deal with all the other ones (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right my next story is animal news 
this story comes from CNN. Um, they went to an abandoned home to smoke weed. Inside, they found a tiger. <laughs> this is a real event? This is real. <laughs> so, this was... A concerned citizen in Texas called the police and claimed to have entered an abandoned Houston home to smoke pot and found a tiger. <laughs> what? This is my favorite thing. In Houston? In Houston, Texas. Huh. Where, you know, tigers are not native. Uh, Sergeant Jason Alderit of the Houston Police Department's Major Offenders Livestock Animal Cruelty Unit said, we questioned them as to whether they were under the effects of the drugs or they actually saw a tiger. <laughs> like fair <laughs> that's, that's a fair thing to <laughs> ask th- yeah like um, oh we were doing drugs in this house and we saw a tiger really <laughs> really did you a real, real tiger did you um okay. but once the police arrived they did actually find a caged tiger in the home's garage uh the home had been abandoned for some time but several packages of meat were found with the animal so somebody was taking care of it Hmm. Uh, officers tranquilized the cat, transferred it to an animal shelter, and then moved it 200 miles north to an animal sanctuary that is operated by Animal Rescue Organization Fund for Animals. A uh, fund with a D, not just fun for animals. That would be, I mean, that'd also be a good name. <laughs> <laughs> but the animal will, at least for now, be one of three tigers and roughly 800 other rescued animals at the um, Cleveland Amory Black Beauty Ranch in the Texas community of Murchison. Uh, no relation to R. Cleveland, just a, I think somebody's name. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, apparently it's going to have five acres of wooded land to run around in until they oh. figure out where it, where it'll go next. Okay. Um, and the case is still under investigation, and it's unclear if the tiger's owner will face any tar- any charges. But I don't know who the how they know who the tiger's owner is, since it was in an abandoned home and found by somebody randomly. What, so they did figure out who I was guess, taking care of but it. They didn't say in the article who. Like how they figured that out, but they said they're not sure if the if the owner will face charges. Though I imagine they probably will, because that's definitely illegal. Right. So, but I thought that headline was worth a story, all on its own. But <laughs> it's a very good headline. It's a very good headline. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Ooh. Ready, set, go! Okay, I found something on BuzzFeed News. A Breaking Bad movie starring Aaron Paul is on its way. Oh. A feature-length film sequel starring the sidekick character in the critically beloved and extremely tense TV series Breaking (laughs) Bad is in the works. The Hollywood Reporter and Variety reported... Wednesday, which is when we're recording today, that the project will be helmed by original creator Vince Gilligan and will see actor Aaron Paul reprise his role as Pinkman, the apprentice to Walter White, Walter White, played by Brian Cranston in their Albuquerque, New, Mex- New Mexico crystal meth drug ring. <laughs> BuzzFeed News later confirmed the project and Paul's involvement. Um, then it says some things that are spoil the end of the show, which I'm going to skip over. Um <laughs> Deadline was first to report that the new movie will air first on Netflix and then move to AMC in a reverse of how the series originally aired. That's interesting. Um, they don't have any comments from any of the, um, from AMC, Sony Pictures, or Netflix. Um, but, yeah, and then it's just like some more background on the show. But they have confirmed that it will be happening and it will be airing on Netflix. Fun fact, both Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul won Emmy Awards for their work on the crime series, Breaking Bad, so... 
this movie should be pretty good. Yeah, I have very little to contribute to this because I haven't actually seen the show. Oh, I forgot. But okay, I've, heard, I've right. heard it's very good. And I already know, like, the big ending thing, so I'm not, like... <laughs> the big ending thing? Like, the thing that happens at the end that's, like, kind of a giant spoiler. I already know it, so... There's multiple of those things, okay, so I don't even least, know what that is. I know is, at least okay. one of the giant things, I guess, so... Yeah, but that doesn't really... I still probably will watch Honestly, it Honestly, knowing point, the ending doesn't take away from the show, even, right. I think, like... Yeah, One I've heard, I've heard it's it. very, very good. It's it's on my list. It's it's just a very long list. Understandable. I also have a really long list. Um, but yeah, I if you have watched Breaking Bad, I think you probably would be excited to see like yeah. a sequel movie. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure fans are going to be very excited about this. Yeah, it's it seems like the kind of show where it's like it, it did not run it like completely run its course. So like people still oh, yeah. appreciate having I mean, like, something. Like, the world that they set up has more room for other story. Well, I mean, they, they made an, um, a spinoff with one of the characters already. Like right. Called Better Call Better Saul. Better Call Saul, yeah. Yeah. Although that... Which it should I not surprise you, I have not seen. <laughs> I haven't actually watched that yet, but I believe from what I've heard that that's like a prequel, actually, to the mm-hmm. other one. Yeah, I think um, that's right. So this will be a sequel, which is interesting, based off of, like, certain things, things that happen. That happen. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a cool idea for them to do. So yeah, it's exciting. All right, uh, mine is very short. Uh, it's from UPI. Uh, man clings to windshield wiper for free tram ride. <laughs> what? <laughs> a traveler on a British road captured video of a man hitching a free tram ride by clinging to the windshield wipers on the rear of the vehicle. Oh, on the back of it. I don't so, know why. Yeah, I thought so the it's front just on the it. yeah. No, the front would be <laughs> even like, better. What? But yeah, so the so it's the oh, rear ones. But okay, he caught a video of this man walking very slowly behind this train, grabbing onto the windshield, and then hoisting himself up as the train picks up speed. And he says it's unclear how long the man took his free ride outside the tram. So, I hopefully it ended well. I don't. It seems like a very unsafe thing to do. Yeah, I think it is unsafe. <laughs> At least he wasn't on the front. <laughs> I feel like if he was on the front, like so the person would driving would have probably noticed, right? I assume there's like a driver. It doesn't look like from the video that it goes terribly fast, but well, still is not. there? Can people see through the back window? Wait, I don't even see the man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a funny so video to watch. He's down below. He's down below the vi- the, win- the window. Yeah, he's like he's hidden. Like, so if you're like, like in the back, you wouldn't see him. It kind of looks like a frog, kind of like <laughs> perched on the side, <laughs> just in that like frog position, like in the back. Hey, I guess that's All one right. way to get a free ride. I guess. I would not recommend that. No. This episode not brought to you by hanging on to the outside of trains. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever other service you want to use. Uh, and you can follow us on social media at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at, at knickknacknews. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. This episode brought to you by chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. Put it, eat it. <laughs>
chocolate. Put it, eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say put it in Melt your mouth, it, but that was it, a weird thing it. to yeah. say. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> chocolate, put it places. <laughs> don't put, don't 